on this episode of Quantum Week, August 2nd through 8th, 1999. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, talk about movies, music, headlines, stories. We are continuing through August 1999, this time with The Sixth Sense and Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. Yes. Right off the top, we'd like to say thank you to Two Tours uh, CBD. I like CBD products. I like hemp products. I like CBD because it uh, mostly because it like helps chill me out, calm me down, or for the pain relieving type of stuff, you know, especially as you get older. Um, you have aches, you have pains, you break your wrist, you fall off your bike, whatever stuff happens. And, Get uh, old. and Matt's getting old, not getting old. And uh, you are every day. <laughs> use CBD to calm your nerves, uh, when you're high strung because, uh, Chris attacks you all episode <laughs> or use it, uh, um, on your, your achy wrists and stuff. So two tours, um, is a great company. Uh, they've been sponsoring us for a while. If you go to two tours.com, you can use code word qw and get 10 percent off their great cbd products and free, shipping. and free shipping as well yeah so thank you to two tours two tours.com qw for free shipping and 10 percent off right so let's get some scheduling stuff out of the way so yes. we are going to be uh off next week we are on vacation uh and then we are back the following week but like we've said earlier we're going to just kind of that saturday uh regular show model so you know so we'll be back uh in two weeks from today yep. when you hear this yep, yep. we will still be doing the patreon shows um so uh obviously we have a show coming out tomorrow when you hear this uh and that one will be american pie and then we'll be back the following sunday uh with uh mystery men yep and then matt doesn't know this but we're back uh so we're back in two weeks um with we're going to december 1995 95 the uh the regular show is going to be toy story oh interesting and then the patreon show will be casino Oh, cool. So a pretty stacked, that forever. stacked week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so December 95. We're sticking around in the 90s. Um, so yeah, so if you're not, you know, if you're uh, just kind of looking for content uh, for $5 a month, uh, get you uh, that extra Patreon show every week. And the cool thing is, if you're not already a patron, you can sign up now and you get the whole library of everything we've done for the, for the Patreon. I think it's like 16 yeah, of, shows, yeah, 17 be, shows. By the time people hear it, it'll be the 16th the next day, you know, yeah. by the time people hear this. Yeah. So, so we've I mean, got 15 on there. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking for like extra content, like, or you're kind of looking for that, you know, two episode a week fix. Um, you can go there and you'll still get it. Cause we'll still be doing obviously the Patreon, the Patreon shows. Um, but, uh, yeah. So in two weeks we're back it's stacked toy story casino, uh, um, I'm pretty excited for that week. Yeah, and the good thing is, like, our content's pretty evergreen. Like, you, you know, say you wanted to watch a movie you haven't seen in a while, and then you can listen to our episode after it. Like, it, it, it plays. Like, it's not like we're we're jumping around through time. So, so these are evergreen stuff. Yeah, you, like, and there's some pretty good movies on the Patreon one. We did Rocky Three. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done a few other ones that are that are bigger movies that um made it on there. So, uh, a Frequency is Frequency. another one on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been this has been some good. Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, Quentin exactly. Tarantino. So. Yeah. We've done some good ones on the on the Patreon show for sure, so uh, so definitely check that out uh, if you are able to. If not, then we will be back in two Saturdays, and obviously we appreciate anyone who listens. Yep. Um, one thing we did cover last uh, Patreon show was the Bone Collector. That's right. And I so on the way home, <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything, but I, I have to get it out there. I, it's been really eating my brain. So on the way home, I devised the theme song for the Bone Collector. <laughs> you gonna sing it? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you should have told me I would have created an accompaniment for you. 
I just, <laughs> I've been thinking about it nonstop. All right, I'll try it. Okay, do, 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 do it. So this is what I think the bone, so the bone collector we talked about in the Patreon show is not, the guy doesn't collect the bones. No, he's, 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 he's the bone So weaver. this is not for this particular movie, but this is for the movie I want. This is, <laughs> okay. Bone collector. Look at him now. Collecting those bones. Bone collector. Look at him now. He's got another bone. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I've been singing that nonstop for two straight days. Uh, well, maybe we can create another verse that rhymes or something. I can no, help you no, write I that. Like, up. I like because like, it's like wild. Because like it is wild. I, the bone collector in the movie, but also to some extent, but in my version, is he's a wild card. You don't know what he's going to do next. You he's just those, We know he collects the bones. Is he going to be a femur? We don't know. Beyond that, we don't know what he's going to do. So I just had to get that out there because I've been uh, singing it uh, for two straight days. So hopefully, bet, hopefully uh, now it's. Uh, out of my system did you also sing it around the house too did did laura um no, look I, at you cross-eyed no no i haven't taken the, i i play a lot of my uh my video games in the house so i haven't <laughs> been doing it then but like if like in the shower or if like like when i woke up this morning i uh i went and got some orange juice and i was like just singing out my way to get the orange juice like i just like yeah so just, it's kind of haunting you right yeah. that's exactly what this shit happens to me i get haunted all the time with these stupid little songs Oh, some of them say it's a brilliant song. The Bone Collector song is a very good song. I just done. Maybe we'll build it out. We'll, we'll do. Uh, we'll do a chorus to it. How <laughs> we open our live show? Yeah, I did see. The, I like it too. When people who obviously aren't subscribed to our Patreon, uh, Patreon, they like say, "Oh, I love that movie." It's like the Bone Collector, and yeah. I'm just like, do, do I know, it's a poor guy. It's a poor guy. Who likes to, like say, oh, like, I, I yeah. love the Bone Collector," and I was like, like "Oh uh-oh. boy, we beat the shit out of that movie." Yeah. Um. So let's get into a movie. I don't think we will beat the shit out of. But let's talk about the Sixth Sense. Yeah, Sixth Sense is a great movie. Six- it is. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies now. I like. I haven't seen it in years, and probably since it came. Since it came, I, I maybe really? I've seen it since maybe one other time. Yeah. And going back and watching it completely holds up. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, Six Sense is a perfect movie. When I say that, uh, it's perfect in that it does nothing wrong, does everything great. Yep. It's similar to uh, like Jaws uh, is another example of a perfect movie. I think Matt and I both agree. Road to Perdition, controversially, yep. uh, we both <laughs> consider it to be a perfect movie. This is probably a little less controversial. Um, this movie is beautiful. Yep. It is amazing. It's the, my 23rd favorite movie of all time. That makes sense. Uh, it will not crack my top five, unfortunately, for our show, because we've just me covered neither. so many great movies. That's the problem. It will. I think it's number seven it's, of movies we've covered for me. Yeah, it's definitely going to be top ten. Um, I'm not quite sure where, but I'll, I'll place it. Um, say. But it, yeah, there's no bad scene. No. Um, it's a great cast doing phenomenal acting, including one of the best child actor the performances. Best. You think it's the I'm not. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. What's but better? It's, it, I mean, I don't there's know. nothing better. I don't know. He's phenomenal. Uh, Haley Joel is fucking awesome. Haley Joel is amazing. Haley. There's one great scene in this movie uh, with Haley Joel. Well, many. But there's, uh, let's talk about, I think, the moment to me was like, oh, shit, this guy is just working on a level that's like Babe Ruthian. Uh, he's talking with uh, Bruce Willis's character. Oh, by the way, uh, if you haven't seen this, please stop the podcast yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, just go see We're going to talk spoilers. Yeah. If you don't, if for some reason you're lucky enough where you've kind of avoided the twist at the end, Please shut off the podcast now and go watch the movie and come back to us. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he's talking to Bruce Willis's character uh, and he, Bruce Willis is like talking, using kind of hypothetical story to explain the problems going on in his life to try to get this, this, he's opening up so he get the kid to open up. Right. So he's like, you know, and I met, and he's talking about Haley Joel Osment's character. He's like, I met this really cool kid and Haley Joel Osment beams with pride in such a natural way. It's like what a little kid would do is like, because when you're, when you get a compliment as an adult, you can kind of hide it a bit more because we're just, we're more guarded. But when you're a little kid, it's really hard to hide your feelings. You're too innocent to want to hide your feelings. You're just, you're going to let but it he out. He kind of tries though. He does try to play it cool. Yeah. And he, you can see him kind of hold that in, but he's just so beaming with someone, this guy that he likes. Yeah. Uh, being kind to him that he, 
he beams and um it's a, just it's just a masterwork it's a very subtle small move it probably wasn't even in the script and he just does it and, and, and it hits and everything he does in this movie hits the one the so exactly the brilliant like the intelligence with which, which yes. he acts is phenomenal the there's, there's another scene in which um he's with his mom yes and he doesn't want to lie to her she's asking about the brooch she's asking about uh yeah the, the butterfly the butterfly pen and her brooch yep. exactly and he does not want to lie to her yes. he's so conflicted but he knows that the that the problems with him telling her that he sees dead people like she's not going to believe she's going to think he's a fucking nutbag and he's already sort of experienced that. We weren't around in the movie. We didn't see this part. It happened earlier in his life where he probably was a little bit more honest. And then there were psychologists and they, all well, sorts of shit, they right? Stuff. They show like he, he did some free writing yes. and that got him. He also drew a picture in school and that got him in some trouble. Exactly. So, you know, he's, so he's really conflicted now Whether he does not want to lie to her, but he can't tell her about this. And you just see, you, you feel it. You, you can see it in the expressions that he's making with his face. Like, and He's Tony so Collette on the other side is equally great. She is awesome. She's incredible. Yep. Uh, both were nominated for Academy Awards. Should have been, uh, yes. Uh, and um, they are both just hitting grand center, grand slam. Everyone, so uh, I'm going to reveal a twist here. Uh, everyone talks, of course, in this movie about how Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Yep. Um, and that is, you know, when you rewatch the movie, it definitely. You can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, you can, you it's, it's, together. it's crazy because I saw this movie opening night. Um, so I didn't even know there was a twist in the movie. And uh, I went in and I, I it fooled me. I'll, I'll fully admit, I, I, I had no idea he was dead the whole time. I was, when you rewatched it, you're like, how did you not figure that out, Chris? Like, it's so, there's so many clues. There but, are clues. But they, they do such a masterwork job. Did you know the first time? I didn't you know. Saw, yeah, I'm, it's a credit to the filmmakers. Absolutely. Um, that people didn't figure it out because it's really obvious when you rewatch it, but when you are in the moment, you're, it's not. And um, so, Everyone kind of talks about that element of it, right? I see dead people where Bruce Willis is dead. But the takeaway that I have from the sixth sense is actually the scene before that. It's him and his mom in the car, and that's when he tells his secret to his mom. Yes. And then he also tells the mom that he's been talking to his grandmother or her mother the entire time. That scene crushes me. I I, I, I cried. I cried. I openly I, cried I can't, like, every I, single time it I is, see that. It crushes me. Yes. And uh, the she's... Uh, she's so good because she doesn't want... she It's... it's Past the point of what she can believe from her yes. from her kid, but she also doesn't want to just slam him. But it's so raw and emotional thinking about her mom, you know. And like, her facial expression just so honest. And the uh, so he so Haley Dobbins' character says, uh, you know, Grandma says that she hasn't answered your question. It's all the time. Yeah. And then Tony Cook just breaks down, and the question, of course, is, are you, you know, are you are you proud of me? Of me? Yeah. It's every day is yeah, the answer that Haley Dobbins gives, and it's, and it's and it's just like, oh, I, I melt, man. Every, yeah. I've, I've rewatched this movie uh, quite a few times. This is one I've rewatched a lot. I haven't watched it actually in about 10 years, but ten, the 10 years before that, I watched it quite a bit because I'm really impressed with Taka Fujimoto's cinematography. Mm. Uh, who's great? He did Silence of the Lambs. He's, a, yeah, he's maybe, you know, he's right there fantastic. with Deacons and yeah. uh, with Gordon Willis and all the greats. Uh, and uh, so, and I love uh, Shyamalan's directing. I also love Shyamalan's scripts. So I, <sighs> I watch this movie a lot just because just for the pure, just love of filmmaking. And every time that scene pops, I cry. Yeah, I cry tears the whole thing. Like it, it is just you. yeah. It it and it's such a thing. Like we all and it's such a great job by writing because it hits all of us because we all want our parents to be proud of us. Yeah, it's something that hits all of us. It's such a natural thing. That's what the, that's what's so good about this movie is it hits because we all, you know, we can all understand how horrifying it would be to see dead people, right? Because you know we all. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, dead people. It's universal. Yeah, and we all understand what it's like to be a little kid and to kind of deal with the world. We all understand what it's like maybe to be in a relationship where someone's cold on the other end and you're not quite connecting or you kind of, 
you guys are on different tracks for some for some reason you're trying to get back on the same track so these are you know M. Night Shyamalan does such a great job hitting these things that are so universal I think that's why the movie is so powerful with so many different people and you know they rolled the PG-13 rating so everyone could go see it so it made a shitload of fucking money and it's so creepy and warm at the same time. I it, think that oh, the way that it it's is. shot is, is creepy. So like, creepy. Think about the first the score. Everything. The score, everything is. But but there's still a lot of warmth in the characters because you love um you love Malcolm. Like he's such a good guy. Yeah. And you love um, Haley Joel. Joel. Like you you and all these, everybody you you love. But the whole thing is creepy. So think about the first time um Haley Joel sees Malcolm. He, yes. He's coming out of his door. He runs away. And he runs. Yes. And you're like, why would he he doesn't even know? Like, why would he run? And so you you're you're kind of conflicted a little bit. Like, why should I be repulsed by this guy who's yeah. so warm and such a, a friendly, like sweet man? And then the scene the first scene where they're in together where he's he's in um their Which, apartment or the house and he plays the game with them. If I'm right, take a step yes. closer. If I'm wrong, like that's such a great great scene. Such a great scene. Like it's just it's tense. It has like suspense to it. It has it has everything. It, it also you're going to be the character. It is a little bit of a cheat from a uh, expository point of view because you're asking questions, getting it's an interview. Sure, it's, it's not quite as cheaty as a narrator or a voiceover, but it's probably the next cheatiest thing. But having said that, um, the way it's shot is great. It's uh, you get it a lot from Cole's perspective, so the camera will move back or move forward. You're yes. seeing it. You know, you're getting it through his eyes. But the warmth of this movie, I think Malcolm is a character you definitely like, but the warmth of this movie really lies in the back of uh, Haley Jaws and Tony yep, Collette. That's right. That single mom and son, and you know, there's even is a great scene. It's a small one, but it, it's just great. And, and this is where Shyamalan is, used to be so good at, the, at these human elements of film. Uh, they're coming out of a supermarket, and she, she's pushing yeah. Haley Jaws and then yeah. she kind of just picks up the pace a little bit and runs with it. And it's just fun. Like I remember being a little kid when your mom would do something kind of crazy. Your dad would do something. It's kind of fun. It's like super fun. You see them being, I don't know, just like one of you. Like this, yeah, being silly. a little wild. It's yeah. fun. And it's like, and you see him at one point. He kind of just closes eyes and puts his hands in the air. And he's like, you know, he's just. It's just fun. Another great scene with those two is he comes home from school and she's like, "How was your day?" And they each kind of make up a fantasy day. Yeah. You know, and because they, she could tell from the look in his eyes, the kid had a tough day, and um, and maybe she had a tough day on her end, and it was just. You just see the love and caring these two characters have for each other. It's just the masterwork in acting, which you can find in actresses. To find that in a kid is, is crazy, unparalleled. Yeah. Un- that's, I don't. I, and I think you're exactly right about uh, the warmth of the movie lies in their relationship. Because also, if you think of like Malcolm, he has no connection with anybody except for Haley Joel. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about his connection with his wife. He's dead. So like, there's no, there's no communication. There's right. no connection there. Um, and even if you don't know he's dead, like they, they're interacting, they're kind of interact. He's interacting with her, but she's not interacting right. back. Everything is cold except their relationship or except connected to Haley Joel. Even like Haley Joel and the dad of the dead, the dead girl, like even that, oh. like it's crushing, but like, but even there, that's where the, you know, he's so, Haley Joel is so like sensitive and kind and compassionate when he's doing that, when he's giving um, the box to him. You're right. I think it, it's really it's him and it's and it's the and it's their relationship. It's him that, and the mom. That like side, you know, B Ugh. or C story of him kind of becoming kind of like the ghost whisperer kind of you know storyline. Uh, a, I could have seen nine more hours of that. Him just tra- traveling different houses and like making things right. Yeah, they 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 obviously. I'm sure as you can imagine, they want to do a sequel, uh, and uh, everyone kind of put the kibosh on it, um, and. I though I, I would go see the Seven Sense or whatever it would be called. 
I, I, I would love to go see Huey Joel just running around like helping dead people out. Like I love it. I could have used, you know, I just love this movie so much, but they're, they're right. They, they made the right call by not doing a sequel. Of course. Yeah. Um, but that is, so just like walk through that, you know, whatever C or D storyline you have, you know, it starts off with this incredibly frightening girl puking in his safe area. Yes. And you know, you feel like this kid's never safe. Now, even the one little, you know, uh, area he can go be. It's be shrine. Like it's got Jesus is everywhere right. in it. Like nothing. Yes, yeah. Nothing's not going to protect this kid. Nope. And then, um, then you find out that she obviously, you know, wants to help her sister out and just how that breaks down. It, it's never revealed what the problem is until the very end when he puts the videotape in, yeah. which is a great, cause oh. a, a, a lesser screenwriter would be like, you have to help my sister. She's going to die. And then they would have ran to the house just as the mom's poisoning. Like, like, yeah. No, it's not like that. This is something that's been going on for years. Yeah. The sisters already been sick. They, they do a good job kind of showing that, that that's happened. This Munchausen syndrome is yeah. what it's called, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't I think it's called Munchausen syndrome. Is when, it when, a, when, a, when a mom, yeah. Tries to kill her kids. I could be wrong with syndrome. I'm sorry. If you yeah. that up. But yes, it's, it's a, it's not a common thing, but it happens. And, um, yeah, these, cause they do it for the attention. <sighs> it's really fucked up. Um, yeah, and uh, but they, the, the reveal is very slow and deliberate, but yet still you're on the edge of your seat when she grabs him from underneath the bed at oh her house. God. Yeah, it's fucking scary. It fucking scares you. But then, like a coin, you know, just like three seconds later, you are you're just in complete empathy with this girl. So this Shyamalan just manages to make you frightened of someone and then feel enormously bad for them in like six seconds. Yes, it's crazy. He's crazy. I mean, he does such an awesome. He four movies in a row. He does a great job. Well, let's dial that back a little Four bit. movies. No. You don't think so? No. This Unbreakable, the um, Signs, signs and, 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 then, uh, the and then The Village. The Village is not a great movie. I think it's good. It's okay. It's not as good it's as okay, this. But it's, but he's, he didn't do a great job with that. That's okay. I think he did a pretty good job with that. It's okay. Um, there's some problems. There's a lot of problems. Hopefully we run into it. Um, signs, I have this is a great movie. I have it in my top 100. Unbreakable uh, is a movie I like less and less as time goes on, but it's quite good. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have little issues with it. Uh, small. Uh, but I will say, Signs is great. I really like that movie. Unbreakable is good. None of these movies compare to this. This movie, I no, put on best. a different yeah, this is the echelon. Yeah. This is, uh, but still, the human, you see the human connection element in all of these. Like, uh, you you see, Bruce Willis and his wife trying to repair their, their marriage in Unbreakable. And, you know, with this, this yeah. kid who's trying to connect them. And then in Signs, you see the relationship of that family. The family, right. He's so good at dealing that, with loss. I, yeah. Unbreakable has some issues. We'll probably right, right, run right. into those more. Yeah. But, you, but you're right. But, I mean, okay, I'll say this. Those are his four best movies. I agree with on that. Oh, hell yeah. And then um, the drop-off for me between Signs and Village is quite steep. The drop-off between the Village and Late in the Water is just incalculable how how much of a drop off that is and then we get into of course the happening which matt and i yeah, both agree is one of the worst movies of all time uh, yeah like oh like so so bad like we're talking about like when we do those bad movie rewatches that might be the next like, oh it should that's be. like yeah, we should definitely put that, on that <laughs> i i almost kind of want to see if it, i i really just want to beat the shit out of i want to beat it's the fucking awful. shit out of that and he, and i haven't seen his more recent one he seems to just become like a horror director yeah like a, like a splice was okay oh not splice uh yeah, split was okay yeah yeah, yeah okay uh glass yeah. worse split was better than than glass glass is just like eh and then uh he did like last airbender was a piece of shit with the that, kind of the oh, sci-fi I fantasy one, the worst one. Of all time yeah i thought i thought it's better than fucking the happening though the all happening right. is the worst thing ever yeah but i he's he did like devil he, he's done a few yeah yeah he's become not, kind of a, he's become kind of a, just yeah. a horror director which is is in my opinion but think of how awesome a writer he was too i know just, it's, i don't it's get a real it. shame that he this is and, you know, it's kind of true with almost everyone in this movie. Uh, Tony Collette has had a very nice career. 
She's in a movie called The Way Way Back, which I can't recommend enough. It's a small movie. came out in 2013. It's with Stephen Carell. It's about a kid, like a, um, uh, like a summer in the life of this kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Stephen Carell plays this real asshole stepfather. Yeah. It's really good. I can't recommend that enough. She's very good in it. Um, if you haven't seen that, uh, I'm guessing you've probably already seen this. Go check out uh, The Way Way Back. Uh, but she's she's very good. In, she's very good. And even like something like Knives Out, which I didn't particularly like very much. I uh, hope we, we can run into that one day. Uh, uh, but she's good in that. Like she's just she's really a good actress. Good actress. Yeah. Great actress. Um, but the rest of the people in this movie careers have really. They, they, Bruce Willis is. I mean, he's gotten older, so whatever. I'll give him a pat. You know, he's also was in you know Die Hard and Pulp Fiction. You know, he's been in three of my top one hundred movies. Sure, fine. Yeah. All right. But Haley Joel Osment. I mean, you know, look at his career, and you're like, all right. So the next movie he makes is um, AI, right? Yep, AI which is was fine. supposed to be a Kubrick movie. Yep, um, and then Kubrick Spielberg, dies, of right, course, uh, right. after Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, you know, during post of that, this was going to be his next project. So then Spielberg then grabs it and and finishes it. Which do a Spielberg movie where you're like basically in every shot makes complete sense. Yep, total total smart move by that. Playing an android can make people think you're cold, but you just come off six sense. People think you're warm. I I, I if I'm his agent, I say totally. yeah, do this Spielberg, do it. Next movie is Pay It Forward, which you have. Oh. It's a bad movie, but you have Helen Hunt just coming off an Oscar. You have Helen Hunt and you have Spacey, who had an, who two had an Oscar. Two Oscar winners. What, two, two years in 99? He's a two-time Oscar winner at that point. Right. And Helen Hunt's a one, you know, so yeah, you, you probably you do, do that movie, right? Who directed that? Do you know? Do you remember? It's fine. Don't worry about it. now. I've my head. I'm sorry. That would be um, the only drawback is if it, you know, some unnamed. But though, you're right. You have two Oscar. You have two very talented actors. You do that movie, I think. You do that movie. Okay. So... Then he just, it's just, he does a movie called Secondhand Alliance with Robert Duvall and, uh, I'm forgetting another, oh, uh, uh, Michael Caine. Yep. Which I kind of understand the mentality there, but the director was a no name. It, uh, I believe, I'm sorry if, I'm, if I get that wrong. I'm pretty sure I, I was looking into it last night. Um, I, I've never seen the movie. I've seen some clips of it and they're weird. Uh, there's one clip of Robert Duvall like walks into a bar and beats the shit out of the entire bar. It's, I think it's like done as a joke now. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And like reading the script, you, you know that's in there. And you're like, all right, is that a good choice? And then he kind of drops back. And I know he went to school and did some stuff. And, you know, now he doesn't look the same. And maybe, I just don't know. I don't understand how you become like a bad actor. I don't get it. Like, I understand how like you can lose, like we talked about Eddie Murphy in one of the recent episodes. And like how you can kind of become unfunny because like times change, social norms change, even comedy changes. You know, like Jerry Seinfeld to me is always funny, but to someone younger, they don't get it. It's just because I get all that. But, like, acting's kind of universal, right? Right, if you have the chops, yeah. So, you like, should be pretty good. what happened to this kid? I don't know. And maybe he's just been, like, he just did a string of unsuccessful hit, and now no one now will touch him. Yeah, now he does, like, kind of real beat. Yeah. He, everyone says he can pop up, and he looks, you know, he just looks, which is why he's older. He's yeah, he's weight, everyone. 32, yeah, 33 yeah, it's fine. So, yeah. I, it's fine. But I, I don't understand how you can go from being one of the, doing one of the greatest performances, in my opinion, in acting history. I'm going to go, I'll start right now and say sure. This is a top 100 acting performance. Okay. And it's the greatest one by a kid. I buy that. I, I'll, I mean, I'll, this is amazing. To do that and then not really be able to do it, I don't, I don't understand. And I don't know. I, I don't get it. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, and actually. Like what happened? And he came off of, um, of Forrest Gump. Yes. Which is great in that. He's even. As was, just a kid. He was even in. The little I, guy. The show was stupid. It was a Jeff Foxworthy show. He played the son. Uh, the youngest son. Yeah. I, it's dumb. But I remember because I think it was right around when Forrest Gump was out. And I'm thinking, like, this kid's really good. Like, yeah. this is this show's stupid. I was just bored watching. It's like 14. I'm driver's license, just watching whatever's on network TV. <laughs> yes. Really, at that point, you know, or whatever. I, whatever's on, you just yeah. watch TV. And, like, this kid's good. Like, he was really good. Yeah. He's, and we talked about in the Forrest Gump episode, like how good he was in that. Yep. 
And I just don't, like, where did the wheels fall off? I don't really understand. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, we've talked about it a million times. It's hard to transition from one to, but usually it's like a drug problem or like. Yeah, he was caught for drunk drive, but I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not going to, I've never been caught, but, you know, drunk driving is something that a lot of people, like, he, other than that, he hasn't had any. Yeah, exactly. He went to NYU, graduated from uh, Tisch uh, School of the Arts. Um, you know, seems to be a very obviously. That's the thing with this performance too. Is it's not a kiddie performance. He's very mature and and wildly intelligent. Yeah. So you would think that would translate to having a good career as an adult. You think so? He's not playing off his cuteness. No. He's he's going toe to toe with Bruce Willis and Tony Collette in an Oscar winning nominated role, and he's holding his own more than holding his own. Yeah. What? What? You think if anybody would have a shot, it'd be him. It would be him. Yeah, I would have bought so much stock in Haley Joel Osment after this movie. Yeah. I would I would have been bankrupt. Right. I would I would have put <laughs> yes. everything ahead. I would have yes. mortgaged everything on his career. <laughs> and uh I just don't I don't get it. I don't understand why it doesn't go. I mean, you lose I guess at some maybe you lose your your you know, so much about acting is is having self confidence and maybe you lose it after doing a string of bad movies or a string of movies that don't aren't successful. You, you, it's not like yeah. he was bad and pay it forward. It's not it. It's just no. the movie didn't work and the movie wasn't good. And secondhand lines kind of this like busted up. I saw it, but it was so long ago I don't mistake. remember. It. And then, yeah. and then, and then you take a few years off to go to school. Maybe you just lose that, that timing, that that confidence. That Could be. he should go to stage or something. He should. He, he should did. go. He did. It didn't work. He did uh, American Buffalo, which is interesting. It's a mammoth play. I saw the movie with Dustin Hoffman, Dennis Franz. Uh, I've never seen it in play form, but it supposedly was a pretty. Um, I think Mammoth even directed the uh, the film version, so it's pretty uh, holds true to its to its sure. It's 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 interesting. So he did it. It was with um, I think Bobby kind of volley might have been in it. Oh really? Uh, our buddy from uh, our our two minute warrior from uh, Bone Collector, <laughs> the Boner Collector. collector. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I want to say he was, but I, and it closed in a week. Jesus Christ! No one saw it. I got bad mixed reviews. I don't yeah. know people want to see American Buffalo again. I mean, Buffalo, American Buffalo had already come out. I see. Become a movie now. It's, you know, so he done some stuff on stage. On stage, so that's a bad choice. That's a bad choice. You probably should have thought about that. Is it? That one was? I think so. I think American Buffalo was an interesting story. A second run after the movie came out? Yeah, good cast. Yeah, I guess. Mammoth Mammoth's kind of evergreen, right? But how long? I mean, but if he lost his star power, he's not going to be the draw. So he needs some of that. On Broadway, he's a different animal. He's not compete with Tom. You know, although Tom Hanks did a Broadway play when I was out there. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You you can put his name in a marquee and it has some oomph. Has a little bit of oomph. A little bit. Yeah. He has three. And he was smart to do an ensemble. Like, it's with. Because American Buffalo it's the three characters i'm sorry forgetting who the third one was in uh in the the revisal but it was another like yeah moderately big name so you're not putting all the weight on your shoulders sure. so if it fails it's not like it's your like paul simon kate man it's not like your fault <laughs> um so you know you can put those three on there i i would be if it's once again if i was sage i would say do that yeah. and it closes in a week all right so it sounds like you didn't make any bad choices really just uh, some second bad hand luck. lines well, okay. might have been rough although i can understand the mentality maybe leaving hollywood wasn't the best plan but if you but if that's if you want to have a normal life i get it too i don't know i, I don't i'm just i'm kind of frustrated but i guess I, we really probably at this point we shouldn't be it was 20 some years ago we should just appreciate kind of what we have now we have one of the greatest movies of all time and uh, unless you're having anything else, we well, talk. I was just gonna say, yeah. The only the only other one is Olivia Williams too, who is great in Rushmore, great in Rushmore. Uh, better in Rushmore than this. And, she's she's still good. She's good. She's here. good here, but it's really hard role. That's what I was gonna say. She's got like no dialogue. Yeah. You know, basically nothing. She's just have. She just has to emote. I mean, I think she does really well here. Interesting. And, they wanted her to. So I once again, I, I've been talking about it uh, all week, and I'll be talking about it. Uh, probably a little bit more this week too. Is that move, that book, the best oh, yeah. movie year ever? They have a chapter on Sixth Sense. They. She came off. She did Rushmore. I guess sometime during the Rushmore, she got like left at the altar. Oh no! Uh, in like in real life, 
And um, so she's coming off kind of this broken engagement. And um, Bruce Willis had just divorced Demi Moore. They just gotten divorced. So he was kind of coming off a divorce. They both, <laughs> they both, you know, because, you know, in our, in my mind, I'm like, oh, they never talk, but obviously they're talking on set. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Together. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're like, oh, they really kind of got along because of that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they really kind of clicked. And, uh, but they wanted her to lose weight for the role. Coming off Rushmore, they like she was a little heavy, which is interesting. Because it doesn't look like like heavy. No. Uh, in Rushmore, Rushmore she I don't so either. No. She's a pretty teacher. I think she's actually prettier in Rushmore than this. No, I can't remember because I haven't seen it forever. But, uh, which is, uh, I was like, oh, it's kind of an odd. That is thing. weird. Another cool uh, thing, in, uh, note in the book uh, is, uh, I think, what is it? The author's name is Rafferty, if you want to look at it, with one mm. F. Um, so, uh, so, Bruce Willis has long before this and after this, because he got into it with Kevin Smith a little bit, but like, he is a prickly guy to shoot with. He's, I mean, he got into fights on Moonlighting with Sybil Shepard. Like, <laughs> Yes. He can be a difficult guy, and he's a guy that definitely, if he doesn't want to do it, is stubborn and will just say, I don't want to fucking do this. Yeah. So they did a shot, and M. Night Shyamalan wasn't quite happy. Remember, this is his first major film. He had done a smaller film with Rosie O'Donnell, um, it, but Disney right. shelved it. Yeah. Um, but he, this is his first major film, so he's definitely nervous. Yeah. First, you know, $40 million budget was a lot for him. He was definitely nervous. So he didn't like he's the shot. He's 29, too. He's a kid. He's a kid. And he yeah. wrote this and everything. So he, you know, he's shooting it, and that's part of the agreement was, he's like, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, do the script and you can buy it. But if you do it, I'm, I'm attached. Yeah. And they, Disney paid 3 million for it. But then Disney then immediately got embarrassed by it and tried to shelve the movie. <laughs> yes. And then only was willing to distribute it, which cost them 300 million fucking dollars. So fuck you, Disney. Anyway. So, uh, they're, they're shooting this shot. Bruce Willis, uh, M night. Shyamalan didn't like the shot. Says, all right, Bruce, can we do that again? And Bruce's like, I think we got it. So I'm not sure. I was like, fuck, what do I do here? Uh, when Bruce said, I think we got it means like, I, I don't want to do the shot. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to, you know, we're done. And uh, he's like, I got this major movie star on Seltman. But he's also like, this is my time to show the crew, the actors that I'm in charge. Bruce yeah. Willis, you know, this is an M. Night Shyamalan film. It's not a Bruce Willis film. I have to take ownership. He's, he's a, I was like shitting my pants. And he's like, no, Bruce, we're going to do it again. All right, last camera roll. And he just went right into it. <laughs> and then um, they did another shot, which was better. And he was happy with it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so he didn't give Bruce any, any time to argue. So then he's leaving the set that night. And one of Bruce's people says, uh, Bruce wants to speak to you in his trailer. And, and my channel's like, fuck, fuck me. This sucks. I'm so, <laughs> he's so scared. He walks back to the trailer and Bruce Willis is like, listen, uh, I only felt this way once when I was doing Pulp Fiction with Quentin. Really? And my channel said on his way back to his car, his feet didn't even touch the ground. Yeah. Like he was just like on yeah. cloud nine. And, uh, and then when this came out, like I said, before this came out, Disney didn't like the dailies they were seeing. They, sh- they tried to shell the movie. They found, they found, they're like, all right, well, we will, you know, and I said, you can't do this to me again. You already shelved on a movie. You can't, when I mean shelving, it, mean, it means, um, you basically just like throw it in the closet. <laughs> you don't release it. So, but they only had distribution rights, right? Well, at first they, they owned the movie. Okay. But I thought that they, so they passed, they didn't pass it until after they started seeing the dailies and yes. shit. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah, it. They Fuck walked away you. from it. Like a lot of Bruce it. Willis movie. Fuck you. Bruce Willis is coming off. We talked about this. It was uh, 99. Recently. Though. We've got coming off. Yeah. Profit was five years ago. Like, it's not, and also he's not, he's not an action. This is an action movie. That's true. Disney just didn't know what to do with it. It wasn't going to be, by the way, it wasn't going to be like a Disney, like a cartoon, mm. like under that heading. It was going to be under, um, one of their, um, their, oh, their wings. It might've been like the Mer- I think they own Merrimax. It might've been under the Merrimax wing. Huh. Um, it, no, yeah. So it wouldn't have been like, it wasn't like Disney was afraid to like a family reason. It was because they just didn't know how to market this. I see. Which is wild because this is whole strength is marketing. And, um, yeah. And they like, well, Disney's also like, well, I don't all, they also didn't want to shelve a $40 million movie. Right. Cause that's a, that's a big, this was a lot more than like a $3 million movie. You, you can kind of throw that in a closet. 40 million is a big write-off. So it's like, fuck. 
so they found another distributor. I think it was Hollywood Pictures, right? Mm, I don't remember. Was that Disney's I forget who it was. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and they and they made all the money. Yeah. So Disney got like uh, a fraction uh, of 12%, it. Twelve percent, I think, is what I saw. Yeah, something like that's that. About, yeah. That's typical yeah. distribution, right? That makes sense. So instead of making three hundred million dollars, <laughs> they made thirty. Like what the fuck? Uh, another smart play here is uh, Bruce Willis got some points. We always talk about this show. Did he really? He gets some points on a big movie. We talk about Don Sutherland. <laughs> of course, didn't take the points. Out of my house, took the money. Yeah. Bruce Willis uh, learned from our, our good friend of the show, Donald Sutherland's yes, uh, mistake. <laughs> and he took the points. Walks so There were rumors he made $60 million. He He said it's not quite that much. But I would if I put it on my head, it was 40 or 50 Wow. Yep. Holy shit, dude. Yep. Why is he making... I feel like he keeps making direct to whatever, direct to stream movies. Like those last 10 years, it's all, I've seen a couple of them just because I was curious. And Bruce Willis, I always like Bruce Willis. He's doing these stupid action movies with nobody else of any note in it or like some futuristic shitty ones. (laughs) It's like, and they're all like dumb. Why does he need the money? I don't think he needs, I think he just, he just wants to he work just, on bad, stupid shit. I don't know. Like do good movies. I I, I wish I had, I don't have an answer for you. That's too bad because I don't have an answer. I I love Bruce Willis. Yeah, the, the times. I think it's hard to be an aging acting star like that. That I understand what happened there with that career. The Haley Johnson, I'm still puzzled by but that. Yeah. I understand, but yeah, I made. I probably made about fifty, forty, fifty million dollars in the movie. Good for him. Yeah, and good for everybody else. And Shyamalan made a lot of money. The lot, you know, for those four films in a row, he made. They were each two hundred well, million became, plus. Uh, he became an entity, you know, yeah, he and did. he became he a thing. So yeah. yeah, he made he made a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, as I went forward. So we want to talk about our top top five favorite horror movies. This was hard. Now. I might have movies out here. Matt doesn't consider horror. Matt might have movies on his list. I don't consider horror. I don't want to have a genre debate because it's boring to me. It's just semantics. Um, but hopefully these are all just good movies. But um, yeah. our five favorite, I guess, scary or horror movies. This was hard. Because I had that debate in my head. Like me what too. genre is I, this? I call, I call them scary. But I know it's kind of a childish way to do it. But I just did my top five scary movies. Yeah. Uh, I have an honorable mention. Do you? Several. Yep. Okay. Why don't you, give, you? Me, give me your several. The Shining, Blair Witch, and Frailty. Okay. We'll talk to Johnny a bit. Uh, Blair Witch, we talked about on the show with uh, Jared. Uh, and Frailty is very good. Very good movie. Very good. Yeah. Um, it's a Bill Paxton. He wrote it. Uh, he's also in it. And directed it. Yeah. Directed, I mean, maybe he didn't write it. He just directed he it. He directed, definitely directed, directed it. Directed it. That's what he wrote. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, not a big, uh, I'm not, don't really like him very much. That's McConaughey's good in this. McConaughey, yes. Very good in this. Very creepy movie. Didn't get a lot of play. Uh, I would definitely recommend Frailty as yes, well. Yes, uh, it did yes, not yes. make my honor mention. It wouldn't. Um, but I understand the mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my honor mention goes to Stir of Echoes. That's a good one. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Uh, it's uh, written by one of the writers that used to write a lot of stuff to Twilight Zone. Mm. Uh, it kind of has a feel to it. It feels very, if you like Sixth Sense, if you love Sixth Sense and you like this kind of thing, very kind of the same mood to yeah. it. Um, it's really good, super underrated. Kevin Bacon's really good in it. Um, I put it as an honor mention. I don't know if it's my sixth favorite scary movie. Probably not, but I just kind of want to talk about it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's a really so, good one. Yeah, if you're looking for kind of a good scary movie, Frailty, uh, Stir of Echoes are good ones that you might, may not have seen. I think the rest on my list you probably have seen. Yep. Um, or if you haven't, check them out. Uh, what's your number five? The Fly. Oh, see, I call that sci-fi. I know, but it's like, I, and you it know still what? scares me. We, we talked about it. Uh, check out that episode. It's uh, The Fly is in my top 100 movies ever. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It is so good. Jeff Goldblum. So holds up. Yeah. It's, incredible it's, performance. It's, it's I call that more sci-fi than that, but I can totally understand how someone would say it's a scary movie. Um, I debate on that one. Very good choice. Yep. Um, number five, A Quiet Place. Yeah, we've talked about this. I have a serious problem. It breaks down with the fact that you could use sound at any time to drive those uh, aliens to another place. Mm-hmm. Like, you could use that to attract them. And so it, I do not believe that the world would have allowed that to happen. I believe that the world would have figured out that you could use sound to drive all those fucking aliens thing to a place where they could then just get destroyed. 
much like Matt uh, wants no. to have sexual relations with Princess Mononoke, I see this. I see a quiet place more as like a spectacle of sorts of it being just so brilliantly directed. The suspense, the timing. I love the use of sound in the movie. Obviously, yep. um, there are so many things the movie does right. I really love the performances. Emily Blunt is a she's great. She's great, and she's in a lot of my favorite movies. Yeah, she's she's I don't really, really appreciate enough. Yeah. Uh, and Krasinski's really good. Uh, it's uh, I think it's a really strong movie. Um, it's the, strong. The, the, I, I don't have issues with the end. Uh, what's number four? The Witch, which you haven't seen. I've not seen that. Shot. Uh, it's it is. Yeah. It's uh, I think sixteen hundreds uh, New Hampshire. Um, you know. So it's, should I see that? Yeah. Don't I mean, give anything away because I, I, I might watch that. You should watch it. Yeah, it's is the it, same woman. The same woman who's in um the what's the chess uh show on on Netflix right uh, now? Oh, I don't uh, know. I don't know. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. But I don't know. What you're about. She she's the the Gambit. I think it's called right. Yes, Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Yep. Um, she's in that. It's uh, it's very creepy. And it got good buzz, right? Yes. And it's a director yeah. from uh, New Hampshire, from Lee, New Hampshire. I think he wrote it as well. Um, I think it's directed really well. It's super creepy. And if you are familiar with New England woods, you know, sort of old time New England yeah. towns and woods and shit, like it feels that's the haunting part of living here. It's like the woods, the spooky woods. Which is scary, man. I, yeah. I, a couple of times when I was a little boy, when we moved here from New York, I was like, oh, I'm going to go camp out in, in the woods at Ooh. night. And uh, I didn't make it very late. You know? <laughs> no, no. So it's I, I did camp with Boy Scouts and stuff like that later on, but just came by myself out there. I thought I had the balls to do it. I, I didn't back then. I, I, if I would now. I, I think you should watch it. I think yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely worth it. Number four is Poltergeist. That's a good one. And it's, it's, it's in there. I have this list. It's in there. I know it's tough. Uh, Poltergeist is fantastic. If you have, this is probably one maybe you haven't seen. If you're younger, don't ignore the sequels. Just check out Poltergeist, Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams. That's the guy from coach. Yep. Craig T. Nelson. If you're younger. Uh, and it is fantastic. It is, uh, it's funny. It's spooky. It's weird. It's a real kind of a fuck you to suburbia. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's great. It's also, in my opinion, uh, the sister or cousin movie with, uh, E.T. E. Yep. Uh, I, in my, my mind, they're all in the same town. Um, well, and, we think that Spielberg the, was really well, hands on there. Spielberg, in my opinion, directed, uh, Toby Hooper is the credited. We, we talked about it a little bit in the E.T. episode, I think, but, yep. um, yeah, there's some, there's some wild shenanigans behind the scenes stuff with that. Uh, can't say enough good things about Poltergeist. Which are three? Jaws. I don't consider Jaws a scary movie. Sorry. And if it was, if it was, it would be my number two. I had a couple that scare. I remember watching that for the first time and not wanting to go in the water. Yeah, that's how like that's how I'm sort of yeah, uh, categorizing. A lot it. of people like, do. A lot of people consider Jaws a horror movie or a scary movie. I don't. Um, I don't know what I call it. It's perfect. It's fucking scary. I it's mean, everything from brilliant. the sound, the uh, the score to the way it's shot. It's fucking frightening. Yeah, and it has a monster at the end. Yeah, right, like the ocean. I love the ocean. Yeah, uh, a lot. But I also, but it's one of those things where I'm kind of frightened by it too. Like you think about being out in the middle of the ocean with that depth. You know, it could be miles oh, yeah. below you, and it's like this entire world and ecosystem and things living down there below you. It's like that. That scares the shit out of me. My dad used to tell me, "You can love the ocean, but you have to respect it." That's how I feel about it. Uh, my number three is The Exorcist. Um, it's a good one. I, I'm not quite, I think it's a very good one. If you're younger, I, I, I've heard I'm, I'm 41. Obviously I'm old. I guess some people see this when you're young as younger people. I haven't shown this to Laura yet. I'm a little afraid to, I guess younger people have seen this and kind of laughed. (laughs) Yeah. That's which which bums me out. Um, I saw this, uh, I I mentioned before in the show, I didn't have any rules growing up when it came to art. I could watch whatever I wanted to for the most part. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I saw extras when I was, I don't know, maybe 11, and uh it fucking ravaged my brain like and it is it, i think it's a completely terrifying movie i think the ominous way it's shot 
The yeah. score, yep. the performances are off the charts. Uh, I think Exorcist is fantastic. I kind of want to do a rewatch. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm afraid haha, to show it to my wife because she's a little younger than I am. And I'm, I just, I would be so heartbroken if she laughed at it, but I guess some people do. It sucks. It does suck. I think if it were, fil- the problem is if it were filmed, everything else were the same, but it were filmed now, it would, it would come across better. So much lame There's CGI. So much stuff. Yeah, I know. Well, the, you couldn't break, but you could do without the CGI. It's just, I think some of the effects just don't. You wouldn't have my up. man, William Friedkin directing it though. You should. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. If everything was the same, including all the actors and every, you know, everybody was the right age and all that stuff. I think it would work to do it. Now it's sort of, it's dated in a weird way. Like, have you ever seen the haunting of Emily Rose? No, I didn't make my list. I haven't. No, that's a good one. Actually yeah. super creepy. And mm-hmm. they do the effects very well. Yeah. Um, so it's bums me out. It does. I could get it. What's your number two. Uh, get out is number two. Yeah, I guess that's good. Uh, Very good movie. I don't think it's. I for me, it's not great. It's it's really. Good. I like. I actually like us. I know you like more. us, but I haven't seen it. Us, us, which had just missed my my honorable mention for me. Um, I think us is scarier. Um, you haven't seen that though, right? I have not seen. You it. gotta see that. It's on my list. Yeah. See that. Yeah, I will. It's, yeah, I think you'll like it. I don't know if you like it more than Get Out. Most people like Get Out more. I get it. And Get Out should have won Best Picture that year. By the way, uh, I know it's kind of. A, Looking back, it's kind of I think with Green Book one of the years. Yeah, <laughs> so, I haven't seen Green Book. I think, I think in history, I think as far as history goes, that might be the best yeah, call. Was, yeah, um, super creative and yeah. horrifying. Uh, my number two is The Sixth Sense. It's about a great that, one, right? Yep. Uh, we just talked about it. Which number one? Aliens. Sixth Sense didn't make your list. Okay, no, but it's like, I mean, I, it's because it's wow. there's okay. There are several movies. So here's another one: Silence of the Lambs could have made this yes, list i agree but it's like it's in a category by itself I agree. almost you know what i mean you don't consider this a scary movie a horror movie i guess it makes sense I, but i also put it in a different category like it's almost like that's in a you top... think this is less of a horror movie than jaws i don't know i think i don't have the same re- i i think jaws is great i don't have quite the same reverence for jaws as i do the sixth sense or silence of the lambs or some of these other movies that i think would be in a top echelon mm. it's weird i don't know breaking i had a tough time huh. categorizing all of these silence of the lambs was a tough for you for me as well i had that same struggle yeah so aliens is your no- aliens the sequel is your, is your number one yes because nothing scared me more as a kid okay. than seeing aliens for the first time everything about it i could not sleep that night nothing has scared me more I could not sleep after seeing it I think for the Exorcist first time. Scared me the most. Um, yeah, I, right. I saw it later. I yeah, didn't see yeah. Exorcist as a kid, but uh, you know, whenever I was maybe nine when or eight or something when that came out, a- Aliens, know. yeah, and uh, everything from just the fucking severe violence to everything is super creepy to um, to even like uh, the android. What what, what camera? Uh, Bishop. Bishop gets torn in half. Yeah, like everything was so creepy about it. That, that to me I is just, so sci-fi to me. It's, I, it really is a hard movie. Because like, like these spider things that are running around. Yeah. I just, ugh, I couldn't, it, it fucked me Especially up. Especially the original Alien really is a horror movie. It's it just, is. It's, it's Halloween disguised as a space movie. Alien is a better movie. Aliens scared me more. Hmm. Uh, my number one is, uh, let me see here. I think it's the, my fourth or fifth favorite movie. It's The Shining. And The Shining is great too. It's, I don't know how you don't know The Shining number one actually. Well, that's, that's a real, that's, that's crazy to me. The Shining is also it's another one of those movies that I have more movie. reverence for. So it's hard for me to categorize them as horror. I don't know why. I don't the know why. shining is, it's a great movie. The most terrifying, um, weird, <laughs> super weird. uh, brilliantly shot movie ever. Uh, I would, I would love to, I love, I can't wait to hit that. It's 1980. When it came yeah, out. So we'll we will, it. we will hit it. Um, we haven't hit that year yet. Anytime we hit that year, I'm going to basically almost shoehorn shining in. Um, the shining is, is everything terrifying filmmaking should be. It 
is a perfect movie. It is, uh, it, I, I, I'm sure everyone listening has already seen it. Um, I, I, it's just a masterwork. I mean, Nicholson, it, it, everything about it is just, and there's so many elements of it. That I think the reason it's, it's still in kind of the zeitgeist is it, there's so many things about, I mean, they made a documentary how like rewatchable it can be with all these different subtext of conspiracies sure but also i don't like any that nonsense but like just looking at it just from the the film there's so much there yeah there's so much detail that hotel it's all basically takes place in one one hotel oh, obviously yeah. but there's so many things to that hotel and there's so many layers upon layers that it makes it just one of the most if not the most rewatchable or maybe goodfellas is the most rewatchable something like that but it's right up there with it's a great it. movie yeah i i, I it's hard. I some of these, it. some of the movies I have such reverence for, I have a hard time putting it in like under this umbrella. I, mm. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I, that's fair. It's a weird one, but uh, I just kind of want to talk about the movies we enjoy and uh, hopefully give some people some movies to watch during our break. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's good. There's a few. If you haven't seen those movies that we've named, check them out. Um, we want to talk about is this entertainment? Um, this is a pop culture podcast, just like us. Uh, and what they do is they talk about um, things that are happening now. Yeah. WandaVision. Are we going to talk about that show on our show? We're not. No. We're, we're probably never going to hit it. We don't talk about TV a ton anyway, and then we're not going to talk about WandaVision because it's happening right now. But I would say if I'm, I'm on Twitter, everyone's talking about WandaVision. Yeah, they are. And I, I don't know what the hell's going on, so I'm confused. But uh, is this entertainment? Those guys have it. Ben and Jacob uh, do a great job. They break down uh, things like WandaVision. They break down uh, other shows, too, that I don't watch, uh, like The Mandalorian. <laughs> Uh, everyone's talking Which about the Mandalorian. Which you should watch them. You I should know, just get in there. I will one day. I that, know that, I will that, one day. That's up your alley. You, you'll, you can take that one. So uh, you're probably like, Chris, how can you talk about this show if you don't watch this? Well, I went back and I listened to an earlier episode. Uh, they could, this is right up your alley, Matt. Right. Something to listen to on vacation. Pearl Jam 10 versus, so what's better? Pearl Jam 10 or the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper? Sergeant Pepper to me in a landslide, but... Oh, not to me. I don't like... I don't really like Sgt. Well, okay, See, I don't like more, 10 that what's, much. What's more important... Sergeant Pepper is more important. It goes from dance music to sitting home, you know, listening music. But ten is more listenable, I think. To me, no, they're asking. They're asking which album is better. Which album is better? Ten's better. No, I think so. Oh, so I'm a Pearl Jam guy. I, I just don't love ten that much. Uh, uh, and, and Sergeant Pepper is my favorite Beatles album. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I find that one of their weaker ones. Yeah. See, oh, there you go. So they, right, they, they have this debate. They have this debate. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you, I, once again, let's go over that. It's is this entertainment? You got Ben. You got Jacob talking about things like Mandalorian. Talk about things like WandaVision that everyone else is talking about but me. And then talk about things I do talk about too, like yes. Pearl Jam and, uh, and the Beatles. So is this entertainment? You can get them anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, check them out. Subscribe now. They're, they're really good. So this is Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera off of her debut album, Christina Aguilera, self-titled. Um, she is a Mouseketeer for, you know, mid to like mid nineties or so gets that for Disney gets canceled. I remember the old, like, can we just, just Mickey Mouse Club thing real quick? Oh yeah, go ahead. I just want to give you the cast. That was oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the cast of this yeah. fucking Mickey Mouse Club. Right. When it got canceled. Yeah. You had uh, Jay-Z Chazez, who was a boy band star. Yeah. Christina Aguilera. Yep. Britney Spears. Yep. Justin Timberlake. Yep. Ryan Gosling. Oh, I forgot about him. And then there was one season that, that they, Carrie Russell. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. They were all in the same show together as kids. And That's then, crazy. Except for Carrie Russell. Everyone I mentioned was on the show when it got canceled. That is nuts. <laughs> what? That is crazy. Yeah, that is that is like a huge amount of talent right it's there. It's wild. It's wild. Well, so that gets canceled, I think, at 94. And that, that puts Aguilera. She was born in 80, so she's like 14 years old. Uh, but it puts her on the radar of like a bunch of different producers um, and you know, she signs up with a couple of them and they decide they're going to record an album, but it's slow. Like she doesn't have to pay for the recording, but it's a slow process. And her goal is I want to get an album done before I graduate high school because then she wants to hit the road afterwards and it's slow. So, so she ends up going to Japan, like recording with a, a Japanese recording um, star puts her on the radar of, um, of her man, of her manager, basically a new manager. Okay. Uh, I thought I grabbed his name somewhere, but probably did. But th- that guy starts to just, like shop her around and she gets Disney because of the, the Mouseketeer show fucking, uh, what's it called? Disney Mickey Mouse, Club. Mickey Mouse Club. She's Mouseketeer. I remember the old one from like the fifties with like, Annette. you remember you were a big Annette Funicello fan who Annette Funicello is the Annette, right. Annette. Yes. Uh, no, but I would want, I think maybe it was a Nick and Knight thing. Yeah, or, they had, they had it. I think Brian, Brian, Disney channel might've had it on Disney too. channel might've had it. Yeah. yeah. I think that, actually I'm, so I'm getting flashbacks when I used to visit my grandparents in Iowa, they had satellite satellite was kind of new then mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Sure. Newer. And there was, it, it was still I, novel. I mean, yeah. When it, well, this is, you know, when I was like 10 or 11 yeah. years old. Right. And I think there, maybe they had access to the Disney channel. Maybe yeah. that was a new channel or something. Yeah, it's not sense. something that I would normally see on sure. cable. Maybe it, was, maybe, maybe it was on part of your cable provider. Right. Uh, and I think that's where I would watch it anyway. So, uh, but that, that, uh, because she had access to Disney, she got offered doing a song for, um, uh, Mulan. The, yep. Yes. The right. Disney movie, Disney movie that gets her a little bit more experience. So then RCA decides that they want to pick her up and they sign her to a multi, yeah. uh, multi deal and they record this album. Um, so this song is very primitive uh, for her and primitive in general. Yeah. Like it's definitely written as this bubblegum kind of pop song. And if you and if you look at like the careers of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, Which everyone at this does. Time, that's this famous that's, rivalry. Exactly. It's the same. Like if you listen to their both their music at the time, their debut time, it's virtually the same. They're very simple songs. They don't show off much. The difference that happens is Christina. So they. Christina Aguilera has got a significantly better voice yes. than Britney Spears right. does. Um, you, don't I, hear, you don't hear it in the song. You though. do not hear it in the song. Like they're not really showing that. She sounds like she has a mature voice here, but it's not, you don't but hear any not, of the, right. no, nothing. None of the gymnastic stuff that you hear later on. And it's just this repetitive four bar phrase. Doesn't change the, the verse is the same as the chorus um, with very suggestive lyrics. Uh, yeah. That, that's she was 18 it. when she did this song. Yeah. It's a little... It's funny. This is a rare song where the song is more suggested than the video. Exactly. The video is pretty innocent. And it's the opposite for... For Britney Spears. Spears is kind yes. of... Like, she's trying to portray a more girl next door thing with the songs the song. and the lyrics, but the videos are more subject, so, yes. you know, suggestive. So that is that is a very strange... It was wild watching this Christina Aguilera video. This has been the strangest part of doing this show is going back and like watching things. And I used to think Christine Edgar was so hot. Yeah. And then to watch you like, there's a little kid, it's just a child. And you're like, Oh, this is fucking weird. Like I used to think this, like, it's just a weird, like it's like a mind twist to think like, I used to think this person was really attractive and you go back and you watch like, it Ooh. now and you're like, Oh, they're little kids. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, I was a little kid. I was 19. Too, oh yeah. It was know? appropriate at the time, but it's but, just, it's just strange how like our brain change. Like, that's really weird to me that our brain changes. I mean, thank God it does, but it, it, yeah, what we're attracted to ages with yes, us. Yeah, that's wild. Of, it is wild. Yeah, but no, it's it's yeah, and it's creepy. So she's she even said this is the song is not about sex; it's about self respect. That's yeah, fucking rub, bullshit. Rubbing her, you gotta right rub me the right way. way. <laughs> like 
listen to the lyrics you're talking about. There. If not you, then everybody, well, you, you didn't write the song, but everybody who wrote this song yeah. knew what the fuck they were trying yeah. to do. Like, uh, you know, it, it, whatever. So don't, that's this bullshit. Um, actually it was a very, it was a sought after song written by, this, uh, David Frank, Stephen Kipner, uh, Pamelia Shane, three writers. They, they were shopping it to a bunch of different places. Uh, Aguilera does, a. she didn't do much. All she did was like lay her vocals over what they had already done. Right. And basically convinced the record company to say, okay, you, you can have this one. You're good. And the good thing they did because it blew up. I mean, this album was huge. This was huge. This Her and Brady were everywhere that summer. Everywhere. Uh, album sold 15 million copies worldwide. Um, this hit number one. She had uh, two more number ones from the album and a number three. Like, it was just stratosphere after this for both of them. It changed. Like, I remember being in the mall and before Britney and Christina. So, like, say, you know, that early that summer and yeah. then after that summer. And the girl started dressed like little girl. I remember being like, like weirded out. Like this is fucked up. Like you see like an 11 year old girl and like really suggestive yeah, stuff. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. this is weird. Like midriff like, shirts and shit. And you're yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, you have Super the writing in the butt, like yeah. juicy on the butt and stuff like that. You're like, Oh my God, what's Ugh. going on? This is crazy. And, uh, it was like, it was a really, like, I remember being like a, like 19 year old guy. I'm like, I don't even know. Like I'm afraid to ask girls out or like hit on girls. Cause I don't even know how old they are anymore because yeah. You, you really start to see like the real like hyper sexualization of young girls. Yes. And I think a lot of it has to do with Those obviously two. not, I'm not blaming Britney no. or Christina, but the, the marketing push behind them. Yeah. And just like, it's, it's, I can't imagine being a parent at that time. Like one day you're like 11 or 12 year old girls wearing, you know, whatever, like overalls and, you know, baggy. And then next thing you know, they're wearing like, that's this, right. Like, Cause oh 90, my God. you're right. Nineties was, was super baggy yeah. stuff. It's like high, like hiding. And figure, literally happened stuff. like overnight. It did. Like, yeah. You know, like boom. And then next thing you know, everyone's dressed, you know, <laughs> like they should be on a street corner. You're like, Oh my God, what's happening? I know. I know. It's crazy. So I would have to say of the, you know, of the two perform, I prefer Britney Spears songs in general in her career than Chris, uh, Christina Aguilera songs. Um, I think that you, for, so, like I always, I mentioned before, but the song Toxic is such an amazingly written that's the, song. That's the best song by the by either of them. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Christina Aguilera is, I guess if I had to pick like a, like six songs to listen to, I'd probably choose... Christina? I think... I would choose Britney. Um, uh, if You Seek Amy is another amazingly written song. Uh, so there's a song on this album that shows off what she can do. Which one is it? It's um, Come On Over. Now, it's it, she has a lot of those flourishes that both me and you got annoyed by. Like, yeah. The, uh, um, but that it, hit number one, by the way. Yeah, too. it was yeah. a big hit. Yeah. Um, and it, I remember when I heard that, I'm like, oh, this girl can actually sing. Oh, she can sing. Because like, uh, for like What a Girl Wants and Genia Bottle, those were not songs that like, it sounded just like Britney. I was like, oh, this is it really the, did. the same thing. But when you hear Come On Over, you're like, oh shit, this girl actually has some pipes. Like yes. she can actually sing. And um, yeah, I, I, I put it this way too. Whose life would you rather have? Oof. Uh, like you much rather be Christina Aguilera. Absolutely, Britney Spears' life is a fucking train wreck. It is. Yeah, they you just got... made fun of her yesterday on SNL. Like uh, she's on, like she's a mess with her. I feel terrible with her for for her free herself. But she's like she's a crazy person now. I know, but like to have you know to have, to be basically a slave to your dad at this point, like that's fucked. It's up. weird, but but if you got her, I like I, I don't I, honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't give a shit at all. But um, I mean, I I want human beings to be happy. But whatever, I'm not gonna like whatever. What are we doing here? Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah so everyone great. being up in arms about free Britney. Like let's calm down. But like the flip side of it though is like you see her in videos you're like this person probably shouldn't be left alone with an oven. Like this person, sh- this person cannot like survive on their own. Like watch the videos you're like this person. Like, I know barely, it's like, hard to not have compassion for her, though because you oh, know she was because ra- she's so ra- like raised to be in the sp- public spotlight, oh, sexualized, and she was a little girl. It's really sad. Like yeah, the system ate her up and chewed her out. It really did. Yeah, I mean, and we she's talked talented. about Haley, Haley Osmond, like 
you know, he stepped away from Hollywood. Well, you know, maybe everyone fucking should step away. Yeah. And that's why you got to give someone like Christina Aguilera. You do. She must have some real mental strength because she came out the other side. Now, she was never quite as big as Britney. Britney was always like, she was always robbing a Britney's Batman. Right. But you know what, man? Like, she went and she did, you know, she did that The The Voice Voice. show, which isn't for me, but it shows that she could be like competent. I know Britney did American Idol for a year, but she's like kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, it was kind of a mess. Where I think Christina Aguilera has some like, she seems so much more grounded and she's like a real human being and yep. she's like a much happier existence. Like Britney Spears existence seems horrible. Seems horrible. Yeah. I don't, so yeah. I guess Britney won the one, like oh. won the, the war of popularity, but I, I would guess. say like, but not even by that much even because like you, you think, you know, Aguilera, she sold a shit ton of albums. Big star. Yeah. Big, she's probably done been a little bit less prolific, maybe six albums or something. Um, but no, I would rather, much rather have a career. I really like, I think maybe my favorite is uh, this one. Yeah, it's up there for me too. It's such a good song. I like when she does this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's more fun. It's more Way fun. more fun. Or like Car Wash or... Because uh, she's... Or even like that. Lady, Lady Marmalade. Marmalade. Or, That's a, a good one. Song. It's a fun it's song. It's a good one. Like she... She seems like a fun person. Like, yeah. Like... I like when she does this stuff as opposed to like Britney just seems like Britney doesn't even seem like a human being. Like it just seems no. so bizarre and weird. And like, and I get it. I mean, it's, it's you know, she probably would have had a nice regular life. She's a, you know, couldn't sing or wasn't right. pretty. Yeah. Like she would have had a regular life. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. That's really sad. But like Christina, just seems like, I don't know, man. It just seems like, I don't know how she can have fun. Like, I don't yeah. know. It just seems more organic, authentic. I say with Britney, like always, always a distance with me with her songs. I don't really believe what she's no, she's manufactured, yeah. Only because it just doesn't even seem like a person anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder what sort of fucking mood-altering drugs she's on. She's probably on a bunch of shit. Oh, you think? Yeah. Probably a CVS in there. Fucking <laughs> <Like a> right <laughs> in her pharmacy cabinet. Can <laughs> I imagine? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, she's a mess. And I really like, see, you know, I can, I like songs in all different styles. I, I can really, uh, I can really get into a lot of, like, really super poppy shit as long as it's produced really well, it's written really smart, and there's a lot of depth to it. And, her songs have that. I mean, she's, it's, that's not really a lot to do with her, but she's the figurehead of that. And so I, it makes me sad a little bit that she's, I'm going to uh, do this. I, I, and, uh, I'm going to do this. You, I, you do it. Brittany, uh, I'm giving you full rights. There's, I'm not going to charge you a penny. You can, you can now own the rights to the bone collector song. Really? Yep. She You're going to give that to her? Yeah, she can have it. Do the licensing on that. It's, it's <laughs> going to be killer. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all hers. I feel bad. Maybe that'll trying to help. It's how I, it's how I help. Yeah, it is very helpful. We give back here at Quantum Week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, so that, that's pretty much it with it. It's, it's kind of a, like, I guess the, the synopsis is like, it's just, it's it's not, it's not very, there's not much there with the song. It's not written particularly well. It's very repetitive, whatever, and it doesn't show off her real talent. It was a big hit, uh, but later on, there are songs that, that do show off her. Like the song Beautiful is a, is a great song. She has a song Hurt that's a really pretty song. Beautiful is okay. It's fine. It's a good song. I mean, it's, it's a, it's much better than something like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, this song to me is very interesting, not the song itself and not the video itself, but just what it begat. Sure. Like how it changed society. Like, you know, talk about some of the most important or some of the biggest songs of a, of any time. I guess it this and like hit me one, maybe hit me one more time. Yep. Like huge. These, song, these songs like changed everything uh, as far as culture for teenagers. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure if I was 41 at that time, it wouldn't have changed my life too, too much. Um, but for being in that time, being of that age, I remember that being really like, holy shit, it must've, yeah. you know, that, that changed things more in a lot of ways than like, even like Nirvana did, 
Nirvana changed music. I feel like this changed society. Sure, changed culture. Yeah. In, in a way. Yeah, I can see that. That's what I got. All right, so uh, I'm, we're going to talk uh, my personal story, which is also a headline. How about that? Huh? Look at that. Um, so it is this week. Uh, it's exact week in 1999. Uh, my buddy Brian, who I've talked about a number of times in this show. So we're working for the National Pride. Yep. And we had this time off. Uh, we, they must have been on the road. And uh, I, we were charting Tony Gwynn, my man Tony Gwynn. Uh, from the San Diego Padres. Yeah, this would have been my uh, headline. That's right. <laughs> One of them. What a shock. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, we were working at a schedule and I realized about a month earlier that he was due to play in Montreal. I had never seen Tony Gwynn play. And, and then with about a week to go, I noticed that he's coming up to 3,000 hits. Yeah, yeah. And it's getting really close. And um, Mark McGuire is also coming really close to 500 home runs and Wade Boggs is coming close to 3,000 hits. That's right. Uh, so we are, uh, we're kind of charting it now. Wade Boggs and Mark McGuire were not playing anywhere near Boston. Brian and I, once again, we were in New Hampshire at the time, but uh, it's only like three hour, four hour drive to Montreal. Uh, and you get tickets really cheap. It wouldn't have been a situation where it sold out. Um, so we're watching and we watched that. I think it was a Thursday, must've been the night before. And, um, I don't think he had that game off, but I think McGuire hit 500 that night. We watched on ESPN and then Gwyn was one hit away. Uh, McGuire does it on the 5th of August. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Gwyn does it on, on the, uh, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then Wade Boggs on the 7th. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, watching ESPN 2 that night, I think, uh, and McGuire hits 500. Um, I can see it in my mind. And, um, and then we, uh, we realized he was at 2999, 2999 for hits for Tony Gwynn. So we, uh, we make a plan. Uh, we, uh, I think Brian had to work a part-time job. He's, he was with the pride as well, but he also had a part-time job cause we were just game day. Sure. So he had to work until like, I don't know, let's say noon that day. So then he gets out at noon. We hustle in his car. We do the drive. We go there with no ticket, no hotel reservations, no anything. You're going to get it. Yeah. 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 We yeah. Were, you do. But we worry about like time and just like, we also had nowhere to sleep. But this is before like, yes, we had the internet. So we like, we printed out map quest directions and the whole thing. Sure. We also had our Atlas in the back. But, um, you know, we didn't, you know, you didn't make hotel reservations online. We were just, you know, I, I was, uh, I was 19. So, I mean, it was, <laughs> Brian was older. I think Brian was 21. He's a couple years older than I was. But, uh, so we, we get it, you know, we, we do the drive. We get there at like five o'clock. We, uh, we get in no problem. I think I might've paid $6 for that ticket. And, uh, there were, you know, oh Christ, like maybe eight, 10,000 people there. Uh, we get in his first at bat. Gets a single. It was awesome. Hits a, <laughs> droops a single right in front of the outfielder. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I got to see Tony Gwynn's 3,000 hit. That's amazing. Which is incredible. It's one of the greatest moments in San Diego Padres history that I was sure. there for, it, which is bizarre. And uh, he ended up getting four hits that night. They ended, the Padres routed the Expos. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It happened right in the first inning. It kind of took all the pressure away. I score. I even scored the game. I have a scorebook uh, in my in my thing. Because uh, it was before, like, baseball reference. So, I, you know, I didn't know if I would be able to you know, obviously now you can access every box score ever, but I didn't know if I'd be able to access this forever. And, um, it was, it was awesome. It was like, one of the coolest, like just, just pure baseball moments for a baseball fan to I'm see. Sure, I'm sure everybody um, got excited about it. They it must have, everybody awesome. must have known. Uh, you, you hope, you just hope you can see it. Yeah. Like, cause there's no guarantee he's going to get a hit that day. Right. I mean, hopefully you do, but we plan to stay as long as it took. So we're like, all right, we'll stay in Montreal for however long it takes. You know, obviously if he, if he doesn't get a hit in the three game series, he's going to move on and we're fucked, but we're going to stay in Montreal for the whole three games. Right. We didn't have a, t- we were both, were pretty broke. Um, so we see the hit, we get, they get, they get the, the, you know, the big hit, obviously. Uh, and, uh, it was awesome. Obviously we stayed the whole game. 
typically went to Montreal, we had planned it out better. So we would do like a Saturday, Sunday. So we'd catch mm-hmm. a Saturday night game and then catch a Sunday day game and then go home. Right. But this was a Friday night, obviously. So uh, we debated sticking around, but like, ah, eh, we didn't read the money. So we, and we just, now we just had to find a hotel room. So now it's like, whatever, 11 o'clock at night, we're walking around Montreal um and we find a like this random like bed and breakfast that still had like a vacancy we get a room there we drop ourselves off we go back to uh st Catherine street we get yep drunk as fuck and then we uh we stagger back to our rooms wake up the next morning we get like bagels and we're reading the paper he got the hit there it was just it was just really cool and that that was the same and then later that night we go home later that night uh we box it was a home run yeah uh, in tampa only time it's uh, ever happened it's that's right yeah uh right the jeter got it too didn't he eventually honest three thousand though yeah i think oh, so okay yeah so that jeter was he was the did. first then he yeah was he was the first yeah uh and boz only got uh 10 more hits the rest of his career that's right um, this was his last year that's right you know, yeah because yeah he's kind of broke down um but um uh, yeah, and plus I think once he got to the thousand, he was like, I'm kind of done. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was, he was sticking around for that reason. That's why he was like, in Tampa, yeah. yeah. Right, he wanted to Grew up there. But seeing Tony Gwynn do it, it's the only time I'd ever seen Tony Gwynn play in person. Now, I've been very blessed. I've seen, uh, I've seen two no-hitters in person. I had tickets to a third. <laughs> so I've seen two. I shouldn't get upset. I've, I've been very blessed. I've seen that two. I've seen the Kansas City Royals win a World Series, bizarrely enough, against my, my Mets. Uh, I've seen the Celtics win a title. Uh, I've seen an All-Star game in Home Derby. I've seen a lot of really cool things uh i had net but uh, it was the one time in my life i seen 3000 now flash forward to i'm living in new york and a-rod is uh going up for his 3000 oh, yeah. uh, it was a home game in new york and i chose not to go i could have gone i i tickets i could have got a ticket i chose not to go um i just didn't want to celebrate a-rod yeah i've never liked a-rod he's, a, he's a, you know by that point remember he'd already been suspended uh for steroids i know that's a big thing for you but for me he's just he's like a manufactured man he is just a fake fake motherfucking liar he's so not I, someone i, I like just, i've never I just, liked him. And i also not i don't like the yankees so i'm like i don't really want to go and just celebrate that with a bunch of yankee fans yeah but it was really so the pod raising like his like tony Gwynn's mom was there i believe most of the fans in the crowd were Padres fans. It was really cool. Like you might, they must've been such loyal fans or people who are must fucking loaded to go all the way from San yeah. Diego to follow him around. And, um, it was, and they stopped play after he got the hit and everyone kind of came out and like the pottery players all come out and hug him. You can watch it. I was up online. And then like all the expo players came by to yeah. like shake his hand. It was really cool, cool. Like, sportsmanship. Yeah. And it was a cool way to like honor his legend. And it was just, it was just awesome. It was like, Oh wow. It's the one game I get to see Tony Gwynn. That's a, I got to see his best game. There's, you know, it was, probably most special game and he stayed around for a couple more years got to like 31 he was really banged up yeah he could always hit though that was a crazy he thing with really him could. like he even more than boggs like he 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 couldn't run anymore because he's so fucking fat <laughs> and then he uh, he couldn't he was always kind of chubby but eventually he got like too much and then he you know he, he couldn't play the outfield anymore and he he actually hit for power in his career but that, that even that kind of went away a little sure. bit so like all he could do but he could he, I really believe that up until he got sick at the end, like he could really probably hit a single whenever, like pretty regular. I bet he could hit like two A in the majors, like as a fifty year old. It's crazy that as a 34, 35 year old guy, he hit like three ninety four. Yeah, like that's and then he nuts. Kept, and like as a thirty eight year old guy, he was still he's still raking. over three hundred. Yeah, yeah, he's a three thirty something. Last year, he average. Was like, like as a forty one year old, he's over three. Now he was yeah. like basically just a pinch hitter because he couldn't do anything else. Right, but like it's like guys like him or like like unless it was a DH. With how long could Ted Williams have played for? Could he have played in his fifties? Because his last year he was really good. Like I have. wonder if if you just took the defense out of it, could these guys have played until they were like if they pulled a Jamie Moyer or a Steve Carlton? It's like listen, sure. I'm gonna play until you rip the uniform off me. I'm give, I'm just gonna embarrass not embarrass myself, but I'm gonna like I'll play in AAA. I'll do whatever it takes. But I just want to keep going as long as it takes. The Ricky to, move. 
The Ricky move. Yeah. Or even like Eddie Murray, his last year he played in AAA. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, right. The Ricky move. Just, I'm going to play it until I, till you actually make it so I can't. Could Ted Williams or like someone like Tony, maybe Tony Gwynn, his body, he was starting to get hurt a lot. But like, how long could some of these guys have played for? Longer. Yeah. If, they, if there's no defense, if they're just hitting. They're just hitting. Even if they don't have to really run. Like and they're they, willing to play anywhere, even like for a cup of coffee somewhere. Yeah. Like they don't, they'll, they'll go through all those motions. I think Ricky was, he was still playing minor league when he was 50. Oh, Ricky, I mean, uh, he wasn't like that. Old. So I saw I Ricky he Henderson 50. play against the pride. Jesus he Christ. played for the Newark Bears. I thought he was 50. He might have been playing like a real super end. It wasn't Could've affiliated. Been. It yeah. was even below like National Pride. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think he was still playing and then yeah, it was, it was you're right. It was, yeah. it was not I mean, Manny's still technically playing for like Korean or even like lower than that baseball. Yeah, like, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, but Ricky was still like. He's still good. Uh, I mean, no good at that. Well, he, at that level. The at thing that is level. he could always get a walk. Right. So he's like his act. Like, he couldn't hit anymore. And he was still pretty quick. Yeah quicker than the average guy and he just walks so often so like it was like all right well okay, he's on. an on-base sort of an on-base machine to some extent so it, he wasn't a complete waste Gwynn definitely better hitter than boggs but boggs's on base was like a pretty significantly better than Gwynn. well yeah boggs benefited too by playing in uh like a doubles park like yep. Fenway is, and like boggs really could kind of tattoo that wall and yeah and boost that slogan up yeah. uh Gwynn was faster than boggs that's Green right. was better defensively. I know Boggs want to go go, but come on. Um, nah, yeah, he's, he's at the end of his career, and it was like, kind of a. He, yeah. When he first came up, Boggs was awful at third. Yeah. Uh, so, I who would rather who would like who would I rather start my career? If I let's say I had a, a, a draft pick, I like, guess each of their careers, who, who would I pick if I'm a GM? I would probably take Wade Boggs because he I plays a, a position that's harder to defend. And well, no, it's just like hard to find like great. Like it's easier to find great outfielders who can like hit. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Then like a right like a right fielder, I would probably want some more power in that position, so I probably would take Boggs. Yeah. But I think Wynn was a better baseball player, if that makes sense. Wynn's a better hitter, but Wynn's not a better baseball not a, player. You think he's player? faster, he's better defense, oh, yeah, he's, he's better defense, yeah, defensively yeah, too. I think you're right. Tony Wynn's a better baseball player than Wade I Boggs. I think was. you're right. Yeah. But I would rather have Wade Boggs on my team, if that makes so. sense. Yeah. Uh, Wade Boggs, of course, would go to uh he'd go to two. Well, World Series with the Yankees. Well, one with the Red Sox in '86, and then yeah. he would win in '96 with the Yankees. Right. So one and one. Uh, and then Tony Gwynn, of course, would go to two World Series as well. He would lose them both in '84 uh, with the Padres. He lost to the Tigers, and in '98 he lost to the Yankees. Mm. Uh, he uh, unfortunately went against two the two best oh, teams yeah. of that Yan- decade. So Yankees, the '84 Tigers were the best team of the That's '80s, right. and then the '98 Yankees the best team in the '90s. So Stacked. it's kind of a sh- shit luck. Yeah. Uh, that they never uh, he never got to go against a kind of a. He never really had a chance in the World yeah. Series as he went to. I guess Lucky got to go to two because San Diego had only ever been to two. Although the Padres now are fucking stacked this year. Oh, yeah, they might be. But of course, typical Padres luck in the same division as the, as the Dodgers. So good it's luck. Ne- it's never easy for the Padres. It's never it's is. easy. No. Poor Padres. Um, so are those your two headlines or do you have another one? Uh, the only thing else that I saw was who wants to be a millionaire premiered um, uh, this week. Oh, wow. And now yeah. you're talking about cultural sensation. Yeah, it was. I right. mean, that you know, it was it, like on every night at one fu- point. It fucked ABC up because it? it was oh, on yeah. so often. They weren't creating new programming. Yep. So when people stopped watching Once Be a Millionaire, they had nothing else to fill the gaps. Yeah. So they be, they went from being the number one network because of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, this fad, and they became like, actually, they were in horrible shape until, actually, so they're um, interested with that. So A, uh, one of the, uh, a woman, Jamie Tarsus, who we've talked about in this show, her dad was Jay Tarsus, the coach from Team Wolf. Yes. Who we both love. Yep. The Jay Tarsus, that does one yep. of our funniest performances ever as a guy. Uh, Jamie Tarsus just passed away like a last a couple weeks ago. She's only in her fifties, but she mm-hmm. ran ABC Television as a young girl, like in her thirties. Yeah, a young woman. Uh, for a couple for a few years during this time, 
the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then the drop off. Sure. And then she, it was a lot of uh, ABC was there's a lot of weird shit going on. It was it was kind of a mess. Uh, Bob Iger wanted more control, which eventually he got. It was kind of a mess. So then ABC was in the doldrums until a little show called Lost came around. Right which then picked them up a little bit, but it wasn't until like modern family that they really got the oomph that they really needed. Sure. But, um, it was, who was saying it was both the best and the absolute worst thing to happen to ABC. Probably more the worst. Yeah. Cause it had ripple effects for years. Horrible effects yeah. For years. It, it helped them for one year. Really good. Uh, or for a lot. I'm sorry. It helped them one year quite strongly. And then after that, it, it really ruined them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if you had a network and you had no shows. That's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> you yeah. gotta be careful. You, you know, you can. Well, you it, have to it, know that that's a fad. You got to know that that's not. You can ride it only so long. Yeah, you can't have a show on five nights a week like that. You no, just can't do it's that. Too much. And it was like it was not like an hour too. It was like crazy. Know. It was like five hours a week of their prime time programming was devoted to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then you had Monday Night Football. So like, which is obviously a great thing, but like you you don't have a lot of original programming. No, it's scripted original programming. Um, so my headline is uh, on August third. I think you'll like this. Yeah. A federal arbitration panel said the U.S. government must pay the family of Abraham Zapruder $16 million, $16 million because the government had seized it in 1992 for research, which is bullshit. Research? Research. Why would they seize? Because they, they claim they need to own the rights of this for Kennedy assassination research. Oh. Abraham Zapruder. Do you know who that was? No? The name sounds very okay. Oh, well, I didn't know this. Uh, Zapruder is the guy that shot the Kennedy assassin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zapruder yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so the government sees that. Oh. Which is bullshit. Me and you both hate government seizures. Yeah, it's fucking, yeah, you yeah. should, yeah. Um, it's an interesting story with this. So, obviously, Abraham Zapruder shoots the, uh, the Kennedy assassination uh, with his, with his, with his uh, camera and does an amazing job, actually. <laughs> he missed one shot because of the science on his fault. That the actual direction is impeccable. Uh, if you look at it strictly, it also even has like some suspense. To it. It's actually quite quite well shot. If you just from a framing angle, anyway, he he has that and he sells it to Time Magazine almost right away. Time Magazine comes to them and is like, hey, right, you know, obviously they wanted for their for their magazine. Which, uh, but this is when the story gets weird. So then in 1970, so um, Zapruder dies himself of ni- 1970 of cancer. That's not where it gets weird. Now it gets weird. In 1975, Time Magazine sells the film back to the Zapruder family for a dollar. I don't know why. That seems there must have been an agreement. I would some wonder sort of that. Like, why 12 years later? I don't. I, I don't know. So there was an agreement that makes a lot more sense. If there's not, I don't understand. It might, there has to be. Some I would sort of assume agreement. that. Maybe because maybe Time wanted to hold it for as long as they thought. Um, you know, there would be an investigation to figure out who who killed Kennedy and all that stuff. So maybe they wanted it to own it through then, but that it would go back to the family if after there, that as, if there's as a historical not, data. If there's not an agreement, Time Magazine is, is very basically pissed away $16 oh, million. Yeah, yeah. So they give it back to for whatever reason. So maybe, right, it could have been agreement. Sure. Right. Okay, so they have it. So the government always owned some element of it. Like, they, they, they always owned a film strip of it. I, I don't know if it's a pretty, gave it to them or Time gave it to them when they owned it, but they owned a film strip. But they did not own the rights yeah. to it, okay? And I guess the government wanted the rights to it, which I think, why does the government need rights? I can understand wanting the film strip to make sure like you have the right stuff to like, cause use. they want to sue people if they use, Oh yeah. It's because like, why it, is the government getting involved with suing? Like it happened. Cause there's conspiracy shit. And if somebody has information that they shouldn't have and that film, they can sue them for having the, the rights of having the film and like fucking bankrupt them. I think there's a lot of bullshit too with, so JFK, the movie, all this movie, which, sure. which is a brilliant film. It's, it's not historically accurate. It's brilliantly brilliant film. Comes out ninety one. Yeah, creates a lot more smoke with this. Sure, makes paints the government a very negative light. I think they're pissed off, and they they have this research they need, and they seize the the footage back 
Um, so the Zapruders, at the end of the day, never get the rights back. They simply got paid. They got for paid them, for it. Which well, that's bullshit too. I agree. Yeah. And so they had it. So it was interesting. They had an arbitration panel, and they needed. Um, so remember, this is also like fucking. We're, we're 1999. Yeah. This is seven, eight years later. This is yeah. bullshit. Yeah. So they have an arbitration panel, and how it works with this is so stupid. So like they have three people in the arbitration panel, which is fine. The um, government got to pick one person, and the Zapruders got to pick one person. So, like, just have one person. But whatever. Right. So then there's an there's a independently picked one person. <laughs> okay. So you can imagine which side the time people picked. Of course. And you can imagine which side the Zapruder. And then the other person, so it was a two-to-one vote. Um, and they voted to, uh, there was no, I guess there was no way the Zapruders could get the film back. I don't know if they even want the air. It was, meanwhile, obviously, it's his family. I don't know if they wanted it back. I don't know. I would want that film back if it was in my family. Too. Yeah. It's a piece of historical, like, I, I would want that. And I think they do. Own, I think they still do own one of the copies of the actual film, but they don't. But I, they can't control the rights. But it's of not it. the thing. The rights are all that the matter. I mean, anyone can control the. Go to YouTube. You can control the fucking Zupruder. Like exactly. You know what I mean? Like what yeah, are we doing here? Right. But like, the rights is the is the oomph. Yeah, exactly. And why does the government need to own rights of something? It's like eminent domain too. They get, government can just decide. Oh, we're going to put a highway here, so we're going to buy. We're going to take all of your your property away from you, and you know we'll pay you a little bit for. It. But but you're you're we'll kind pay of fucked. You market. Yeah, value. right. But there's no way to, re- yeah. How, thanks. The problem my, is my fucking home asshole. Yeah. Like you give me market value and the memories I have, or the fact that I moved here for a reason yep. or to have like my, my kids go to new school. Now I got to buy another house in this town. Exactly. It's bullshit. It's not right. It's one of the worst it's things. One of the, domain, yeah, so it's one of the things I am. I just, I, yeah. I'm gets me like my blood boiling. They talked about putting through like, a, um, I, I grew up in a small town, Stratford, New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, and they talked about putting through like this, like major roadway to connect basically Stratford's in the middle of like Concord and sure. like, uh, like Rochester, Dover area. And they talked about putting through like this byway between the two connecting a route four to like the Spalding turnpike. Right, yeah. And they were going to go through a lot of homes. It didn't get very far, but they, they talked about eminent domain and they were going to take like a number of homes from my friends. And it was just like, they could just go and just do that. It's and not, it's, it's just, yeah. Like, and, and that's just like one arm of it too. Like if you're, you, if you people, so there are rules now, there are banking laws now that if you have, okay, so Banks are required to, you have to just, you have to disclose where, if you put a $10,000 deposit into your bank, into your own bank account, you have to disclose where you got it from. And the reason why you have to disclose is because the federal government makes the bank ask those questions. And so if it's, if like you say, oh, I got to buy selling a car, whatever, whatever it is, you just put cash and I, I sold a car. Um, if they're even a little bit suspicious of it, they can put a hold on it. Like the government can say that is suspicious enough where you can't hold it until we do research on it. That could be years. So I think there are some companies like, um, you know, even like Square who they'll, they'll get like inundated by, you know, a government puts their, their eyes on a, on a small business, but it's maybe a small business is still a couple million dollars a year. It's still kind of big enough, like some restaurant in New York or something that does good business. They can just think it's, it's suspicious enough where they can force Square to hold your, your, your money, whatever yeah. your payment processor is to hold your money. And that can fucking put you out of business because you, you don't you don't have access like you're paying you're trying to pay your bills it's not like you have yeah, this I, extra money you want to sit there that type of shit infuriates me I, I've, been, I've been in sales uh and uh in new york and you know making pretty good money yeah. and i had some pretty decent sized commission checks and stuff put them in the bank and uh, yeah they, they would hold it it's fucked up it's great for like days it's like and obviously it didn't up. matter it, was, it wasn't like you know it, it mattered obviously from a ethical point of view but it wasn't affecting me I right was, you, it was like you it was like so, extra you know it was like it was a but imagine shit. you're some busy you have payroll oh, yeah, like your course. margins it's are right. small it's like, crazy like, yeah it's it's what the eminent domain thing in particular though is one thing yeah, take someone's just, home because you know your home when you buy a house 
it's like, all right, this is mine. This is my little, yeah. my little piece of the earth. Yep. You know, it's my little, whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever home you own, you know, it's yours. Yep. But it's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's not ours. <laughs> Nothing's ours. No. No, we don't own, we own nothing. Uh, they come take it away, put in some fucking highway. Or well, design. I mean, you're paying taxes on your property. That's you're renting your property. Everything's from your town. So it's, it's like, all yeah, it's, it's all we don't know anything. We you, don't. Know, you know, you own, you own this episode of quantum week. You do, or we do. And you own this fun new song by, <laughs> by Oh Chris. no, Britney Spears owns it now. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that was kind. I know. I can't wait to hear what she does with it. It's going to be good. Uh, we are back, uh, in two weeks. It's just a long way off. I know. Go become a patron if you're not already. And you can, and you can, you can swing it. Um, uh, five dollars a month you can get uh, a lot of episodes there i think there's like 60 in there yeah um we even do a face-off rewatchable there's even a gone with the wind episode and there. there's a lot of weird there's stuff in there of, yeah. uh but there's also some more traditional episodes as well and uh if you can't though that's great too come back in two weeks we are going to be back with toy story and then uh yeah, casino casino patrons. but if you are a patron uh we're back tomorrow with american pie and then a week from then with mystery men 